like our pastor said, it's just about seven days old. What a perfect day. The number seven is perfect before God. As I was meditating on what I was going to preach, I struggled before God because I thought I was going to change it. But I couldn't. Because sometimes, in fact, all of the times, if you must stand in the pulpit, if you must stand before God, it means you have to obey God and you have to obey Him totally. I thank God for what God is doing. Now, bless God because He has children before Him, you and I, seated here before Him, to obey Him, to please Him, so that this year, 2011, would be a remarkable year, would be one year that would go in the annals of history that you pleased God with your life. It will go in the annals of history that God did a remarkable thing, an unprecedented thing in your life. A thing that has never been done before. That He turned around situations. That He turned around conditions. That you had problems and you came to Him and you prayed instantly and you fasted instantly. And God answered your prayer. May we open to Hebrews 11 verse 5. Hebrews 11 verse 5. Hebrews 11 verse 5. I'll read if you're there. If you're there, say praise the Lord. I didn't hear that echo. If you're there, say praise the Lord. Amen. I read. The Bible says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And was not found because God had translated him. But before his translation, he has this testimony that he pleased God. That Enoch was translated beyond death. That's what the Bible says. And that before his translation, the Bible says he had this testimony that he pleased God. If you don't if you don't know what that means, it means he was translated, which means that he was raptured before the rapture. Praise the Lord. Enoch was raptured before the rapture. Before the church, Enoch left the scene and to be with the Father. If you open to 2 Timothy 2 and verse 4, quickly, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 4, it says, No man that warreth and sanctified himself with the affairs of his life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. No man that warreth, the Bible says, entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. I preach sometime on pleasing God. It was very different from anyone that I had preached before. A couple of days back also, my brother was here, precious brother, and then he preached on pleasing the Lord. Wonderful session it was. And today also, I'm going to preach, I'm going to preach pleasing God. What a coincidence. Sometimes you don't understand. You know, the Bible says in the book of Romans 11 and 33, Paul says, Oh, the depth 
of the riches, both of the wisdom and of knowledge of God. said, how unsatiable are his judgment and his ways past finding out. The Bible, the word of God is so awesome. The depth is amazing. That you can pick a word and you can push to the right and push to the left and push to the up and down and it, 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 you cannot deplete it. And each time you preach, you have a newness that comes to bless the people of God. Each time you preach, you have a newness that comes to restore souls. Each time you preach, you have a newness that comes and people are turning around again. Our God is merciful. Our God is good. But sometimes you may ask that we're not talking about prayer and fasting. But I thought you came around the other time you were talking about the gift of the Spirit. Wonderful. Praise God. I told you that the man that must stand at the pulpit must be sensitive to the things of God. And that's exactly what we are doing. So the topic is pleasing God. Pleasing God. Stay with me, pleasing God. Stay with me, pleasing God. I was praying a couple of days back and I said, Father, you have been so merciful and faithful to a church, the Bread of Life Fellowship. All of us who have seen your hand. But I know that this year, 2011, you're going to do greater things. You're going to do things that will amaze people. You're going to think, do things that will bring your flock, your sheep, your sheep into your house. And as I was praying, and I, I did say that we took three days of, the, of 2010, the last three days, and then we fasted to seek your face so that your mercy will be poured out on us. And I was, I was in my prayer. God said to me something that stunned me. He said, how many of you did pray? How many of you did fast before me? Now, that's not a question you go and answer because you will fail. Abraham failed. You don't do it. You don't answer such questions. And I knew that indeed something was wrong. So I went back to him and I said, Father... Have mercy upon us. And cause us to please you. And I believe that God will cause us to please him this year in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's where the topic is coming. Pleasing God. Pleasing God. Pleasing God. Pleasing God with your life. Pleasing God with all that you have. Be spent. Spend and be spent for him. All that God has made you to be, the reason you are alive, the reason, the purpose of living, if you're a Christian, if you're a true Christian, is to please God. It's to please God. The Bible says in James 5 and, and 16, 16, the Bible says that the effective and the sexual servant prayer of the righteous man availeth much. The sexual servant prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In other words, for prayer to avail much, for prayer to have the impact it should have, for prayer to be highly productive, and for prayer to have all the desired outcomes and results, it means that there are two things. A righteous man, a holy man, a holy woman, a woman that is pure, purity, has to be there, has to pray that prayer. It talks about fervency. And fervency means passionate intensity. It means hot. It means burning. 
Your prayer has to be burning. Your prayer must have intensity. Your prayer must have that passion. It must come from within. It must come from within. And so the Bible says it is that prayer. A prayer of fervency. A prayer built on that substratum of holiness. That is a prayer that avails much. That is a prayer that is productive. That is a prayer that is profitable. That's what God says. That's what God says. Then it means that purity and passion are the premise to the presence and power of God. Purity and passion are the premises to the presence and power of God. Purity. Then passion in prayer. Then passion in fasting. And this year, we're going to go before God in purity. We're going to come before God in fasting and in prayer. That is what's going to break the backbone of the enemy. There is no problem that can go beyond prayer and fasting. No, 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 no. That's why Jesus says, this kind commit not, but by prayer and fasting. He knows that's a role model. That's a paragon. That's a paradigm. That's a quintessence. That's he that knows the end from the beginning. He's our Lord. So when he speaks, he has spoken. Oh, every mouth will be silent when Jesus speaks. And so we have to come before him to please him. To please him. You, 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 you ask yourself, the last three days of fasting that the church declared, what happened to me? Why did I not fast? Probably you did not hear. If you did not hear, no problem. But you heard. But you did not fast. Then you begin to ask yourself, was I sick? No, you were not sick. Were you pregnant? Are you pregnant when you don't fast? No, you were not pregnant. Were you, are you a baby? No, you are not a baby. So what happened to you? Why must you be a pawn in the hand of the enemy? No! This is 2011. You have to sit up there and then you worship God in truth and in spirit and you tell the enemy, I come in the newness of yet another year with the power and the presence of God and I go to him and I break your backbone in the name of Jesus Christ. That is the kind of God we serve. That is the God we serve. The year just started. The way you begin the year tells of the way you are going to end. You are setting the stage already. The first few days of this year, you use it to set the stage. So you don't play with it at all. You don't play with it at all. The number one priority of one who says I'm a child of God. The number one, uncompromisingly number one priority of he that says I am a Christian is to please God. Is to please God. That is the reason we are here. To please Him. To be so powerful in the hand of God that He will use you to destroy the power of the enemy. He will use you to bring souls to the kingdom. He will use you to destroy that family problem. It doesn't matter what you're going through, but it matters who you serve. It matters how you serve Him. Are you serving Him in purity? Are you serving Him in passion? If you do these two things, Satan will have no power over you. 
So every single thing you are doing, you ask yourself, will it please God? The activity you are going to embark upon, you ask yourself, will it please God? The life you are living, you ask yourself, does it please God? Every single thing that you do on the surface of the, of the earth must be sieved through, must be distilled through this question. Will it please God? If it doesn't please God, you drop it. Oh yes, you may have your will. You may be gnashing. Drop it. Praise the Lord. It doesn't suit your feeling. Drop it. It doesn't matter. That is the only gateway to prayer. That is the only gateway to fasting. You fast on the platform of purity. You fast on the platform of righteousness. And when you do that, the enemy will be afraid of you. And that's why the enemy fights prayer. That's why he fights prayer. And how does he fight prayer? By making sure that you are not holy before God. By making sure that the cares of this life is in your heart. And that's why Paul here says that no man, say Timothy, listen to me. Hear yeah, yeah, the word of God. No man that will ever serve God, he says, entangled himself with the affairs of his life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Entangle. Entangle. The word entangle has deep meaning. It means to, 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 to wrap, to entwine. To twist. And when you are entangled, a lot of things begin to happen. A lot of things begin to happen. He that is entangled, you realize that he has no power at all to pray any longer because of the cares of this world, because of the deceitfulness of riches, because of the loss of this world and, and all that. There is in the world. And so you are completely sipped, completely drawn out, empty, drab, dry, mechanical, wooden, nothing. Because there is nothing in you that now glorifies God. Weeds. Farmers tell us that when tender plants are coming up, they are growing. And then you will see weeds around them. The primary reason you have weeds there. It's just to suck and kill the plants so that they don't have their full potential. They don't have their beauty. They are just leafy. Nothing comes out of that wheat. The wheat. Entanglement are just like, it's just like wheat. So you ask yourself, what is it that entangles me in this world? How much of God do I truly have? Do I worship him in the riches of holiness, in the beauty of holiness? Do I really and truly love the God for the Lord? The Bible says concerning Enoch, he had this testimony that before his translation, he pleased God. He pleased God. The all and all the primary reason, the reason you are a Christian is because you will please God. single width around must be cut off. Every single thing that entwines and entangles you, 
so that the, your, 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 the energy is completely waned out. It's no more there. Every single thing must be completely taken out of you. 2011 is a year of manifestation through prayer and through fasting. You can never go back. Say we can never go back. I didn't hear you. Say we can never go back. Destinies must be changed. Life must be changed. The things that you have had desires, you must have them. You are a child of God. There, is, there has to be a difference between those who are in the world and those who are in the church, the body of Christ. And the difference will come from you. The difference will come from me. It depends on commitments. Commitments to fast. Commitment to pray. Those who went to school, they read, you see, burn candles and light and all kinds of things just to read and to read and to read and to take exam. What were they doing? Commitment, determination. The same determination must come into your heart. Fresh for this year. Fresh for this year. In Matthew 5 and 13, the Bible said, Jesus said, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savour, where we shall it be salted? Said it is henceforth good for nothing, and be cast out and trodden under foot of men. We are the salt of the earth. The salt of this earth cannot lose its savour, cannot lose its saltiness. In Mark four, Jesus Christ talks about the sower. So the sower went and he was sowing seeds. And then some seeds dropped on thorny ground. The thorns grew up and choked life out, out of those seeds. They, never, they, never, they were not fruitful. They didn't bear fruit. And in explaining this parable, glorious Jesus, sweet Jesus, he said, he that heard and hear, let him hear. You don't pass by scriptures like this. Don't just gloss over them. He said, he that heard and hear, let him hear. And in interpretation, he said, these tons, he said, they are like weeds. And he said, they are the cares of the world. They are the deceitfulness of riches. And he said, they lost their all. They lost that come with it. They lost that come with it. And then sometimes, instead of pleasing God, we allow wits around us to entangle us, to seep life completely out of us. To seep life completely out of us. And in case that does not move you in Mark 11, Jesus was talking about the fig tree. Fig tree. He was hungry, and the Bible says that he looked to the fig tree to pluck fruit out of the fig tree. He went there. The fig tree was green. It was leafy. It had a semblance of having fruit. He went close to it. There was no fruit. And he cursed it. He cursed it, the Bible says. And when he did that, he died from his roots. The fig tree has an appearance as though it was green. It was luxuriant, exuberant. 
But the fig tree was just there. was just only leafy, full of leaves. Nothing was there. In the house of God, we don't want to be leafy. We don't want to come chushy being chushy. We want to come before him whose eyes are pure. We want to come before him to say, Father, you know me. Even before I was born. Even before my great-grandparents were born. You knew I would be born. Have mercy upon me. And everything that is in your life that you know does not please God. You drop it and you drop it immediately. You drop it and you drop it immediately. Why? Because it doesn't please God. Because it doesn't please God. And sometimes I tell you, things happen and you say, God understands. You just, you just encourage yourself in that state and you say, God understands. God is a God of his word. God is a God of principle. It is Satan himself concocting and fabricating things like that. He puts in your heart and he comes out of your mouth and says, God understands. No. Go to God in prayer. Go to God pleading your case. Go to God asking of his mercy. And live true to the scriptures. And live true to the scriptures. Praise the Lord. That is outward religion. You know, people can show, praise the Lord, raise their hands, sing and all that. But the fruit is not there. The fruit of repentance. The fruit of salvation. The fruit that tells that I'm a born again Christian. There has to be fruit in our life that says, I am born again. There has to be fruit in our life that supports our prayer life. Fruit in our life that supports our fasting. Fruit in our life that tells of His mercy and of His goodness that your light shines. And then the, those outside behold your light and they say, indeed, this is a child of God. A true Christian is one who lives the life of Christ on earth. That's a true Christian. True Christianity is living the life of Christ on earth. On earth. That's true Christianity. That's true Christianity. And Jesus says, but if you are ashamed of me in this evil and adulterous generation, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. Do you understand what that means? When the master is ashamed of you before the father, it means you're not going to heaven. It means you're not going to heaven. And so you have to live your life beyond customs. You have to live your life beyond the traditions of men. The Bible says in the book of Mark 7 and 6 and 7, the Bible says, Jesus says, These people honored me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. This is for doctrines or tra- the traditions of men. The traditions of men, they're interested in traditions. They're in the house of God. The Bible says you do not yoke yourself together unequally with unbelievers. But if they want to marry, they run to Sri Lanka. They run to Nigeria. They run to India. And they pick an unbeliever. And they bring to the church and we start praying and having all kinds of problems. Unequally yoked with unbelievers. God forbids it. If it doesn't please God, it doesn't please God. You drop it. You live your life to please Him. That has created you. 
You live your life to please Him that has created you. Not traditions. Not, if you don't love God more than you love your parents, you have a problem. Oh, yes, Christianity is intense. It's burnt on the inside. When you are born again, you know one thing and that thing is sure that your father is he that you love most. There is no other. There is no other. There is no other. You are in an ungodly relationship. And you know that God is touching your heart and telling you, get out of that relationship. It doesn't please me. Drop it and get out of that relationship. It doesn't please him. Out of that relationship. You want to destroy your life? Get out of that relationship. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ looked at the Pharisees and he said, you do not enter into heaven. You also block those who are about entering. In other words, you barricade heaven doubly, two times. You are not going in, and those who are about going in, you don't allow them to go to heaven. That's the worst thing. By our life, the outside world sees Jesus. That's why it's let your life so shine before men. If our life is not a reflection, it's not a semblance of the life of Christ here on earth, we are not going, and we block others from going. We block the outside world from going because you are a mirror image of Jesus Christ. He lives on the inside of you. He lives on the inside of me. And so we must demonstrate that to the world that He lives on the inside of us. John the Baptist looked at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and he looked at them. They were coming to be baptized in his own baptism. And he said, Oh, generation of vipers who has warned you to run, to flee from the rocks to come. But it's a rot of God that is coming upon the world of unbelievers, the world of ungodly. We must run away from such rot. We're the children of light. We must radiate light. We must radiate light. Do you know you are born again? And sometimes, secretly, you are still into pornography. My God, have mercy on me. Does it please God? Does it please God? When you are about looking at that, does not your heart smite you? Are you totally dead and drained out? Why don't you come out of it? Why don't you come out of it? You sit hours and hours at the PC, internet. What are you doing? Exchanging through Facebook and looking at pictures and opposite sex and telling them how I love your picture and how I do that. You know what Jesus says? He says that mind what you see. And if your eye offends you, he said, block it out. But listen to me. Before you go to that extreme, why don't you just block off the computer? Take it aside. Why don't you just bring it into the open? Let everybody see what you are doing if it's right. Praise the Lord. I didn't hear you. Praise the Lord. You run away from these things. They are not godly. They don't, they don't please God. You live your life to please God. 
2011 is a year of the manifestations of God through prayer, through fasting. Through prayer, through fasting. And God must visit us this year. He must visit us this year. Oh my God, if, I have, if my legs are aching, it must go. If I need the, the fruit of the womb, I must have it this year. There is no going back whatsoever. There is no going back whatsoever. I am looking for employment. There is no devil in hell that can stand in my way. I move up and I get him out of the way. Because my Lord is able to do these things. Sometimes you still nurse and nurse your bitterness and hatred. You have not forgiven this one. And in your mind, on the inside, you say, I have forgiven, but I don't want trouble. What kind of trouble? If you are forgiving, you pay a visit. When last did you visit that brother of yours? When last did you visit that sister of yours? God is screaming. Hear, hear the word of God in the name of Jesus Christ. He that hated his brother, the Bible says, it is the same as committing murder. This is a new year. What is your resolution? Will you still live in the quagmire and the cocoon of darkness and unforgiveness and tell yourself and pat yourself at the back and say, oh, God understands. It's just because I want to, I want to be clear from this. I don't want trouble. The only person that gives you, you trouble is you. God is telling you that you are not dead in that area. You better stand upright and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I beat my chest. I die to it in the name of Jesus. He's not running away from the problem. He's facing the problem and overcoming the problem in the name of Jesus Christ. This sin will make you run from prayer and fasting. And prayer and fasting will make you run from sin. Would make you run from sin. Can we all say together, I live to please God. Can you say it again? I live to please God. One more time, can we say it? I live to please God. We were at a ceremony sometimes past. Uh, actually here in Oman. And a lot of people were there for the ceremony uh, celebrations. And uh, we thought that we were going to pray because the celebrant is supposedly a Christian. So we thought we would start the entirety with prayer. But I, I, I realized that a lot of people were there and probably... Somehow, this person will be ashamed to say, let us pray. I didn't expect that, but as the, the, the ceremony unfolded, I realized that that was going to happen. And the entire thing started. There was no prayers. People were doing what they want to do and all that. And at some point, the person came to me and said, please, please don't go. After some time, when the people leave, we will pray together. So I said, I said, what, what, what evil have I done to you? Of all the people in this universe, I'm the person you said will pray for you when everybody is gone. Am I ashamed of Jesus? What, what did I do to you? So I left. I left so sad that day. I was very, very sad. If we are not 
proud of our God who created the universe. If you are not proud of our God who heals the sick, our God who raises the dead, our God who can do all things there is to do, if you are not proud of our God, my God have mercy upon me, what are we going to be proud of then? What else are we going to be proud of? That was, that was a sin God himself has set for lives to be changed. For prayers to be made. And then you move, and then you, you meander and talk a little bit about salvation. And I know God will you have used his word. But this one said, no, don't go. When they go, then we, you pray. And did I do bad? Praise the Lord. You see, you understand. You know, Paul, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believeth. That's the power. There's no other power. There's no other power. We cannot be ashamed of the word of God. Of our own God. In Revelation 3, Jesus Christ looked at the church, the church of Laodicea. And then he said, you are neither cold. I know your works. I know you. He said, you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. In other words, you confuse me. I don't understand you. You are neither cold. Revelation 3.14, I read it. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things. So you are the amen. The faithful and the true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works. That thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou were cold or hot. You get what that means? You are not cold. You are not hot. You are in between. You are in the middle. You confuse people a lot. You are not an unbeliever. You are not a serious Christian. You are just there sitting on the fence, confusing every single person. He said, I wish that you were cold. Let me know that you are not there. Or that you are hot. Let me know that you are serious for me and you, you are ready to please me. But because you are not cold and you are not hot, he said, I will spew you out of my mouth. He said, I will spew you out of my mouth. That's, that's, that's terrifying. That's terrifying. He said, I will spew you out of my mouth. You are neither cold nor hot means you are emotionless. They are preaching the word. Hmm, you are just sitting. It doesn't concern you. You are not moved. This same word has been coming over and over. So it doesn't move me. You are there. You are there. No emotions. No feeling. Nothing. You are just there. Seated there. But he said, I wish... That, they don't know whether you are even backsliding. You are not even totally backsliding. And Jesus said, in that state, I will spew you out of my mouth. That's dreadful. That's dreadful. It means that we have to be serious for God. We have to please God in our service to Him. We have to please God in our workplace. We have to please God in our families. We have to please the Lord in everything. Our marriage. We have to please the Lord. It's not anger. You pick up anger and you slap your wife. Yeah. 
And the madam too, maybe doesn't understand. Maybe husband fight her. She's trying to carry you up, lift you up. And then we come to the church and we say, Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, now, when you think back, you realize that something is wrong. Something is wrong. Jesus says, in the beginning, it was not so. The beginning, the beginning. Think back. The God of the Bible is ready to bring us back to his fold. I didn't hear amen. I said the God of the Bible is ready to bring us back to his fold. You have to drop anger. A new year has come. A new dawn has come. A year that you will sit up and say, Father, this year, things about me will change. I will impact the life of others. I will be a blessing to others. But in the name of Jesus Christ, you will just do that to me. I will please you. Let me tell you, sometimes you struggle to please God. You struggle. But the good thing about struggle is that as you begin to struggle to please Him, it takes over from you. Praise the Lord. When He sees that there is an intent to please Him, when He sees that there is a hard desire on the inside, that hunger that cannot in any way be compromised, what hunger you have on the inside to say, Father, I love to please you. So even if you're freaking over and there, here and there, he picks you up. He picks you up and seamlessly, what you thought you couldn't do, now you can do. That's our God we serve. That's the God we serve. That's your God. That's your God. And you have to please him every single day of your life. Every single day of your life, you have to please him. And Jesus Christ is careful to, to choose his word. When he says that you are neither cold nor hot. Because he knows that the church of God, most people, in fact, 60 to 80% of the people of God, they are in that state. Not excited. They don't tremble at the word of God. It doesn't, it's, a, it's business as usual. Case and comes and goes. It's not supposed to be that way, brethren. It's not supposed to be that way, brethren. We have to tremble at the word of God. We have to tremble at the word of God. There are three things that sin does to a Christian. Three things. When you start sinning, number one, you lose your ears. You lose your ears. The preacher is preaching. But your heart is not there. You are sitting down there, but you are not there. Your ears are not there. You lost your ears. You are even thinking, when will this be finished so that I can go and my business and this one and that. You are calculating and computing what you will do the next hour. Your ears, you've lost your ears. That's what sin does. You left your praying place. You left the word of God. And so uh, when you sit down there, it's either that you are sleeping, you are struggling, and you, you don't even understand. They could even ask you, what was the topic, the message today? So oh, it was wonderful. And they say, what's the topic? I've forgotten, but the preacher was wonderful. It 
means that you have lost your ears. It means you have lost your ears. You are just a number, but you're not a member. You're just a number. You're not a member. That's the meaning. Number two thing that sin does, you lose your tears. Emotions are gone. They are preaching the word. Nothing. We've been hearing these words. We have been coming here every Friday. What is new there? You are going, brother. Sister, you are going. If that is your state, today we'll pray you back in the name of Jesus Christ. A new year has come. And it's a glorious year that God will answer prayers. When you lose your tears, you are no more broken. Nothing. Contrite heart. No, it's no, it's no more there. It's no more there. Because you are out there to do things do not please God. So emotion is lost. Passion is lost. So your tears, you've lost it. It's no more there. No, but everything that sin does, you lose your fear. You lose your fear. The fear of God is God. God of the universe is no more awesome before you. You don't care. You can use words anyhow you like. You can be very aggressive. These people, they're always worrying me and disturbing me. How many times are we going to go to church every week? Every time they tell us, let's go and pray. Your fear is gone. You are entangled. The weeds have come. The weeds have entangled you. You are draining completely. You have to come back. Elijah looked at the servant and he said, where did you lose the axe head? I need to know where you lost the axe head in the water. The axe head shall swim again. The axe head shall swim again. And the moment you see that that is what is going through your heart, you get back to God. Quick. You get back to Him quickly. I'd like to announce to you, beloved, that this year will never pass you by. This year will never pass you by. There is nothing in hell that Satan will bring forth that will stop God's blessing from touching your life. God will turn things around again. And then you have to have a heart after him to say that God I am open to you. Have mercy upon me. That though you struggle, he knows your struggle. But when you struggle and you still obey him and believe in him, he will take away the struggle. You know we are, he knows we are frail. But then, he takes away that frailness. That's why the Bible says, he uses the weak things to confound the strong. But you tell him, Father, I'm weak. You know that in this area I'm not strong. In that area I'm not strong. And then you bring them before him. And then you say, no, I will not do this again. You stand and you beat your chest and you say, I will never go back to this again. With tears, with weeping, God will save us. So the platform for this year, for prayers to be heard, that fasting is made, is that we have started the year trusting in God that will live for Him.
that will please him. Because eight of the Bible says, before he was translated, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Are we going to please him? So you stop complaining. You stop complaining. Complain will destroy your prayers. Complain will destroy your fasting. You are not supposed to complain. Why? Because God will, through your fasting and prayer, destroy that power, that struggle. And that's why he has made you so. So you don't complain. You don't complain about your husband. No, you don't complain about your wife. God has put the two of you together. And because he has put the two of you together, no devil in hell can separate you. You lock your hands together and you begin to pray and you demolish the powers of the enemy. And God, the God of righteousness, the God of believers, He is still God. He will be your God. And He is your God. Don't complain. I was counseling the brother and the brother was telling me uh, they just deceived me and they gave me this, this woman to marry. I didn't know that she had such problems. And they deceived me and they gave me this woman to marry. And I was just looking at him. And I said, God, what do I tell him? Then I said, God put the two of you together. It doesn't matter the deceit. You did not know. And because you did not know, you are the instrument that God has designed to bring this woman out of this problem. So give me a scripture. And I quickly went to the Bible. And I saw Jacob. Jacob was going to marry Rachel. He was so much in love and raptured with this woman, Rachel. And he worked all his life, seven full years for Rachel. And after working seven full years, he was deceived. They gave him Leah. Laban gave him Leah. Leah, he didn't like her. Leah, he thought, was not beautiful. He said, what have you done to me? He went to Laban. Laban, what have I done to you that you did this kind of thing to me? But he did not understand God. The same God, the God of those who are despised, the God of those who are helpless, the God of those who they think they are metal, the same God, through the womb of Leah, brought Moses, mighty man of God, brought Jesus, mighty man of God. That is how your God is. So when you think you have deceived a woman, is not fit, or a man is not fit, put your hands together. The God of Jacob is your God. He will change your name. He will change your name from Jacob to Israel. He is the same God. He will bring about righteousness. He will bring about deliverance. He will bring about healing. He is our God. He doesn't change. When you are despised, be happy. Because your God will set you on the limelight. And people will know. It shall be said on the mountaintops. It shall be said in the valley. That there is a God who uses the best things to confound the wise. The valueless, you bring them up. He's the same God. He's the same God. He never fails. So stop complaining. Fasting is so powerful. Prayer is so powerful. It takes your prayer to another level of fulfillment. That's what fasting does. Fasting takes your prayer to another level of fulfillment. In fasting, you mortify, you kill the flesh, you starve the flesh. When you starve the flesh, what happens? The spirit man comes out to commune with God. To commune with God. 
If you read Isaiah 58, you will see that those are the things that God is talking about. No, I don't want to go there. But that's what fasting does. It starves the flesh. It kills. It mortifies the flesh. So the spirit man comes out alive. And then God will use that to do wonders. He will use that. And he says to lose the band of wickedness. He uses fasting to lose the band of wickedness. To undo heavy burdens. Hallelujah. All kinds of burdens. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter you have a terrible, a, a, a terrible supervisor in the office and that's been tormenting you and marginalizing you and putting you down to, 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 to the periphery. But I tell you, fasting, God will use you. Use it to lose everybody. To break the power of Satan and let the oppressed go free. That's what the Bible says. To break the power of Satan and let your prayers go free. And that every yoke will be broken. As we rise up to pray, you are going to go to God in the solemnity of your heart and say, Father, have mercy upon me. What are the areas that I don't please you? Have mercy upon me. Confess it. Confess it. Rise on the inside of your heart and pray to God and say, Father, have mercy. Another year has come. I want to change my life. Do something new in my life, oh God. Let us rise up to pray. Let us rise up to pray. Oh, wonderful Jesus. Oh, wonderful Jesus. Oh, precious Jesus. Can I hear you begin to cry unto God? Can I hear you begin to cry unto God? Can I hear you begin to cry unto God? A new year has come. You want to live a life that will please Him. The sole purpose of your being created. The sole purpose for which you are called to be the child of God. The ecclesia, the called out one, the chosen generation. A soldier of God. A royal diadem in the hands of God. The sole purpose is to please Him that has brought you out of this world. Out of this world. That is the sole purpose. That is the sole purpose. That is the sole purpose. Cry to him. Cry to him with all your heart. And say, Father, have mercy. Have mercy. When they call for prayer, I want to be there. When they say, fast, give me the strength to fast. Oh, give me the strength to fast. You have to do it in your closet. So that when you come to, 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 to have corporate fasting or corporate prayers, God enriches your life. Father, we give you praise. We give you worship. Oh, I pray, Father, for your children, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, the hunger within their heart, blessed Father. I pray, oh, God, that you will take away everything that you hate. You will take it away in the name of Jesus. You will turn around the lives of your people, blessed Holy Father. A new thing has come. The 7th of January 2011, blessed Father, let it go in size in the depth of history. That, Lord, you have done a new thing. And Lord, you have done a new thing, blessed Father. I ask that your spirit will hover upon their lives, upon their hearts, blessed Father. To set the scene, O oh God, for the newness, O oh God, of another year. A year of prayer, a year of fasting, a year of manifestations coming before God. And say, Father, we bless you. Lord, heal me this year. Lord, give me my heart desire this year. Lord, do it in the name of Jesus. And I might please you and please you indeed. Jesus' name we pray.
Our Father in heaven, we thank you for sending your word expressly to us this day. Father, your word has come loud and clear. And you have given us a clear test that this test, does it please God? Father, will be the test of every word, every action of our lives from this day forward this year in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray because the Bible says, your word is a fire. Lord, we pray, the fire in this world, O oh God, let it burn in our lives until our lives are pleasing in your sight in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray every entanglement that have hindered us from pleasing you, O oh God, let the fire of your word this day burn them, disconnect them from our lives in the name of Jesus. Blessed be your name. We thank you for your servant that you have used more of your power and anointing bestow upon him in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for hearing us. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's open our Bibles. Let's be seated. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I read quickly from verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink, eat this bread and drink this cup, Ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Let's prepare ourselves for the communion. Let's search our lives before the Lord. Is there something there that will prevent us from standing before Him blameless? That will prevent us not only from the communion, but from heaven. Why don't we confess? Why don't we repent of them and ask for mercy? Father, we thank You for Your mercy. We present our lives before You, O God. Whatever is in our lives that will hinder us from partaking of Your table, Father, we pray for your mercy and forgiveness this day, and Lord, that you will deliver us from such and make us qualified to partake of this table, and Lord, of your kingdom at the end, in the name of Jesus Christ. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name we pray.
and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.